Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. In the book of 1 Samuel 16, verse 6 to 13, and I'll be reading from the Message Bible. 1 Samuel 16, verse 6 to 13. And it says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face, God looks into the heart. And Jesse then called up Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. And Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented Shammah. Samuel said, no, this man isn't either. Jesse presented seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. Then he asked Jesse, is, is this it or... There are no more sons? Well, yes, there's, there's the runt. But he's out tending the sheep. And Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in, the very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. God said, up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. And Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him with his brothers standing around watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind and God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. Something happened yesterday that made me think about a the title for this message, I want to entitle this the, the Before Pick. The Before Pick. The Before Picture. In today's uh, digital age, the allure of the before and after is everywhere, right? Sometimes I go on internet journeys. I, I'll, I'll be scrolling and I'll see a uh, uh, a picture from a maybe a construction company online, a, a contractor, and they'll be renovating a house and they'll show the before and then they'll show the after. And in this day and age, you have the reels, right? So people do the reels as they're going on throughout the projects. And so when they when you look and you see a, a project taking place and you see the, the designs and, and the workmanship and the craftsmanship taking place, you want to scroll back a few pictures to see what it used to look like. To see the, the, the before picture. Can I get the, the, the water, please? To see the before picture. We scroll back and we look 
And we scroll forward and, and, and we can see what's been done. We can see how the change has, has taken place. But the thing about these before and after pictures, they're snapshots. You don't see the work getting done. You see what's been done, but you don't see the work getting done. And are there any contractors in here? Any, any contract? All, all the contractors, please stand. When you all are working, you have a vision for what you want the project to look right, right? Sometimes you have a blueprint. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> sometimes it's written down on paper. Sometimes it's written on your head, right? But you know that in order for this job to get from point A to point B, a lot of the work is going to be done off-site. In fact, depending on how uh, advanced you are in your, your, your organization, most of the groundwork will be done off-site. You all can, can be seated. Most of the groundwork will be done off-site, right? There's going to be a lot of, of measuring, but after you measure, there's, there's some drawing up. There's some, some plans that have to be made. There, there's some ideas that have to be, you have to source materials. You have to create estimates. There's work that has to be done that doesn't get done on site. And so when you are looking at the before and after pictures, you realize that in the process of the before and after, there's an untold story. There's an untold story. There's an untold story. All right. In life, as we journey, from age to age, there's some untold stories. There's some things that happen behind the scenes that no one else sees, no, no one else knows, the things that we don't share. But it's, it's all a part of the story. In fact, it's more than part of the story, it's... it's the ingredients. And any chefs in the house? Any, any professional chefs? If you're a professional chef, I'd like you to stand, please. If you're, if you're a professional chef. If, if you're a chef who's not a professional chef, I'd like you to stand.
I, I, I hear you, Pastor. I hear you. I hear you. This is the thing that I've realized about chefs. Based on your training as a chef, the different ingredients that you know how to use. Based on your training as a chef, the different ingredients that you know how to use or not. I don't cook often, but when I do, Ari, come here. I don't, I don't cook often. My wife is an excellent cook and baker. But when I cook, what's, what's your favorite dish that I, that I make? Chicken. What kind of chicken? Any. Thank you. Good job, son. I can throw some chicken in the oven like it's nobody's business. And I have my little ingredients that I use, you know, my secret recipe, my secret sauce. But I have a, a friend who's a chef. Her name is... is, is is uh, Chef Z, right? And she went on Hell's Kitchen. That's the show? She went on Hell's Kitchen and she was, she didn't win, but she was on there. But what she realized when she was on there was that she needed more experience and more training because when you're in those high pressure environments and when you're working with chefs, they know how to use different ingredients. So there's some things that my wife cooks with that I would have never even purchased. Because when you're a chef, you know that there's some things that can work with, with other things that may not make sense. Like uh, salted caramel. Anybody like salted caramel ice cream? The, the sweet and the savory, right? Thank you, thank you. If I don't know that saltiness and the sweetness of the caramel can go together, I would never put it together. In fact, if I don't know that two ingredients can work together, then I'll tell you that you're doing something wrong. I'll say, this, this is a mess. This can't work. But when my wife and I go out to restaurants, and nice restaurants, the chefs, they, they, they make plates, and there are ingredients on these plates that she would have never thought to put together. And they work. Because they, there is an experience that the chef has with what it is that he's working with or she's working with. 
There's experience that the contractor has with how he does or she does what it is that they're doing. And at this point in my journey, I know that there's a chef, there's a builder who has a master builder who has more experience putting together the things in my life that I thought couldn't, wouldn't work together. They work together, they, they go together. And as we're looking at this, this picture of, of this before and, and, and this after picture, we have to realize that there's work that takes place in between. And a lot of times it, it, it doesn't make sense. When I'm in physical therapy now and I decided since I'm, you know, uh, uh, my blood is still rushing after I leave physical therapy for my knee, I, I just go to the gym and I work out. And as soon as I get home, I jump in front of the mirror. And I turn to my wife and I say, you see what's going on, right? You see what's happening. You see the difference? She says, yes, Drew, I see the difference. She's a good, she's encouraging. She's an encouraging wife. But the, the most transformative before and after picture is this spiritual view that God has of us. When Samuel arrived on the scene, he, he saw something. He, he thought he saw a good-looking candidate. And God said, that's not the one. I'm not looking at the outside. I'm not looking at the appearances. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the heart. And this is Samuel. He's a prophet. He's experienced. You would think that he knows that he can perceive, oh, he must be it. And God says, nope, he's not it. He looks the part, but he's not who I'm looking at. The world judges books by their covers and people by their exteriors. Samuel did the same thing with Eliab, but God's metric is different. He looks deeper, and he looks past our before picks straight into our hearts. It's funny because I, I, I thought about something yesterday when, or, or, or Friday when we all came together as a family and we shared a meal, and at one point, my sister pulled out an envelope that she had found in my mother's office, and in this envelope, there was a letter. And this letter was, was written on very, it was very brittle, thin paper. And it was typed up, and it said, Mr. Milton Granham, 
196 Cummings Street, Borda, Georgetown, British Guyana. Dear Mr. Granham, thank you for your letter relating to the friendship between Hyacinth and yourself. Mr. Bob, Mrs. Bob and I have noted that you ask to be engaged to her before she leaves to join us here in the United States. In coming to a decision, we had to rely heavily on information supplied by you both. And because we have confidence in her judgment and believe she knows what we are expecting of her, we are writing to give her approval to this step being taken. You will appreciate that Hyacinth has plans to enter college this year and that we note that you are not requesting an early marriage. I assume that you have considered the implications of this too and are nevertheless resolved to go ahead with an engagement. With every blessing, sincerely, Douglas C.J. Bob. I had never heard or read that letter before. It, it, it was a part of the untold story. But it was a part of the story. It, it, and you mentioned, Dad, that you were asked to come back to Guyana to pastor two churches, right? And I, had, I was thinking about something last night. If you were asked to pastor one, would you have come? <laughs> Pardon me? I said, if you were requested to pastor one church, would you have come? Um, yes. Yes, I would have. I would have, because, um, because um, I went to college in Trinidad, I graduated, and I was pastoring a church while I was in college. I loved it, they loved me. And when the folks in Ghana asked me to come back to Ghana to pastor, I prayed. I prayed. And the Lord spoke to me. In the four years of college, I didn't even have a girlfriend because that was not my focus. But after I prayed about returning to Ghana, the Lord said to me, as soon as you get back, I will show you your wife. And within weeks of my return, she showed me, he showed me my wife. I had another question. Had you ever thought about moving to Philadelphia? No. No. But her family, her father's a minister, her family moved to Philadelphia. And so I figured out I better move to Philadelphia with them. Smart man. 
I come from good stuff. That's a smart man right there. I'm, I'm looking at my time. The reason that I brought that up is because where we're sitting right now is not just the New Covenant Church, but it's the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. It's the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. At no point had it crossed his mind that he was going to move to Philadelphia. But because of a letter sent from 1003 Green Street to Georgetown, Guyana, something shifted. His, my, my, my father is driven. He's a, he's a planner. He's a visionary. But nowhere in that vision, nowhere in those plans was Philadelphia. But God had to use a simple piece of paper Add it to the ingredient. Add it to the recipe. When I was proposing, she said to me, I just met you four weeks ago. And then she says, if you're interested in marriage, you have to write to my father and get his permission to marry me. And so that letter was the letter of permission. That letter said yes. And my in-laws are here. I don't know if y'all would have let me, uh, <laughs> after, after four weeks, listen, after, after 23 years, the verdict's still out. <laughs> but it's just a piece of the picture and it changed the whole in ingredient and the thing that I realized is that my grandfather didn't have anything to go on he didn't have an after picture to look at all he could see was the before pick. All he could see was what my mother told him and my father told him and the people who he called to check, check in and, and check out this young man. The thing that I want to express to you today is that when God looks at us, He's not looking at our afterpick. He sees it. He knows it. But he's not looking at our afterpick. 
We choose a certain way. If, if I'm going for a job, I, or I'm interviewing for a job, I want someone with the potential to, to do the job and do the job well, take the company to the next level. Or if I'm choosing a partner, sometimes we choose off potential. And what I tell couples when they're marrying, whoever that person is sitting right in front of you, that's who you're marrying. You're not marrying potential. Whatever they show you, that's what they are. But we make decisions based on what we want to see. Oh, it'll, it'll, it'll get better. They'll, they'll be better. This situation, will, it'll work out. Sure, that's fine. That's good. But God doesn't choose us like that. He doesn't see us like that. When he sees us, he, he knows the plans. He, he knows the thoughts that he has for us, but he chooses us not based on the future, but based on where we are right now. With all the ingredients, the good, the bad, the ugly. That's why the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died. He died. For God so loved the world in its condition. Not for its potential. For God so loved the world in its sinful condition that he gave his only begotten son. When God looks at us, we have to realize that the after pick is God's before pick. He sees us where we are. He knows where we are. He knows who we are. He sees all the different ingredients that make up our journeys, that make up our stories. He understands where we've slipped and fallen. He understands where we've, we've, we've got some scars along the way. He, he sees the relationships that didn't work out. When people threw us aside, he saw that. When we got hurt, he saw that. When we lost loved ones, he saw that. When we were grieving, he saw that. When we were smiling, he saw that. Some people couldn't see your before pick. And some people, God, God blinded people's eyes for your behalf, on your behalf, for your benefit. There are people who were supposed to see your value who didn't. And God did that. Because if they saw your value, they would have wanted you to stay right with them. They would have tried to help you along. It would have been the small pot 
saying, I see what you can be. Let me help you do it. But the problem is that the plant can't grow big in a small pot. My, my bedroom looks like a jungle. My wife has so many plants in my room, in my house, and they go from small pots to big pots. And that's not an automatic process. Any, any plant people here? Raise your hands if, if you're a plant person. So you, you know about that life. You love it. Uh, I heard some young people say, uh, when I told them I had three children, she said, oh, you must be rich. I said, no, I just got kids. She said, well, when my friends talk, we say pets are the new kids and plants are the new pets. But there are people who take care of their plants and they know that in order for this plant to grow, once it's reached its limit in this pot, it has to be repotted. And it's a dirty job. But for so many people, there are pots in your life who saw your value and wanted you to stay right there. They, they saw the positive characteristics. They saw your qualities. They saw your humor. They saw your potential. They saw the gifting in you. And they said, stay right here. But sometimes those are small pots. And when God took you away from those small pots because he had to do it, because you wouldn't have done it yourself, he moved you from some small pots that were comfortable, that were familiar, that you become accustomed to when he placed you in some uncomfortable big pots some new environments, some new situations that you just couldn't get comfortable in. But it's all how he works because he's the master builder. He's the master chef. And when he's sourcing ingredients, when he's going in, and, and buying vegetables here and, and going in and getting meat here and you're going back and forth for this journey and you're wondering where you're going. Why is he taking me here? Why am I at the butcher? It's painful. There's blood. Why am I at the farmer? It's dirty. My, my clothes are dirty. I have to clean off. Why am I going from this place and this place and that place? 
when I don't understand what he's doing, I'm confused and I'm frustrated, but when we look at the journey and he sits us down at the table where we all sat down hopefully this last week and people came with their dishes, right? And we sat down and, and we ate and when he brings us and he prepares a table before us, Sometimes in the presence of those who may be enemies, who don't like us, who can't stand us. We want God to get rid of our enemies and he's trying to show off and show you off in front of them. So that you don't have to just talk about what you've done, they can see it. This place in which we're sitting is the table that was set in front of people who didn't want us to be here. And it's a part of the journey. Don't neglect the untold story. Everybody has a story. And everybody has parts of the story that are untold. Tell your story. Tell your story. Your children need to hear your story. You know why marriages are failing? Because people haven't heard the untold story. They've idealized what your generations might have done by staying together for 40 and 50 years and they don't know how because there's untold stories that they've never heard. They, they heard the good parts. They heard all the good parts. They don't know what really went down to keep it together. The work, the hard work, I'm 17 years in with this hard work. But if you don't tell the story, then my, my, if I don't tell the story, then my sons won't know how to move and, and what to experience and, and how to say I'm sorry and, and how to put pride and ego to the side to make sure that we, we go another day and another day and another day. There's parts of your story that you have to share. The next generation needs it. They need it. They need it. If, if, if you're between the ages of 26 and 40, could you stand up really quickly?
If I could see you after the service upstairs for a few minutes, we have some things that we want to share with you. You may be seated. You know why there's not more of us? Because they haven't heard the stories. They don't know how you did it. They know what you told them. They know what you showed them. Sometimes the two don't, don't match. But if you're willing to tell those untold parts of the story, then all of the ingredients get put in. And all of the ingredients are what God has done. The Bible says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. All things mean all things. Work to, all things work together. They're working together. They're making each other work together. They're parts of the recipe. So whenever you decide to take something out, because you think it doesn't belong, or because you think there's no value in it, or you think it'll spoil what's going on, then you're changing up the recipe. My, my mom used to make a bread pudding. Listen, I grew up in a West Indian, West Indian household. Nothing went bad. <laughs> I, I married into an American family. When they think food has spoiled, they throw it out. I, I don't remember that growing up. I don't, I don't remember throwing out good food growing up. If the bananas went bad, they didn't go in the trash. What, 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 what does she do? What does she make? Banana bread. If the bread went bad, it didn't go in the trash. If it started to get moldy, she cut out that mold. Throw it in the freezer, what she make? Bread pudding, right? Everything doesn't have to get thrown out. Don't throw out what God has put in. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.